If you're enjoying this podcast, please tell your friends. They can find it by searching their favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Search it for Dictator for a Day or just point their browser to dictatorforaday.substack.com. They'll find both the podcast and the companion article. Okay, on to today's podcast. Hey, and welcome to Dictator for a Day. The podcast where we'd never propose having an actual dictator. I am Dennis Dean, and I am not a dictator for a day. It's more like imagining what you'd do if you won the lottery. What would you do if you were, in fact, dictator for a day? Our topic for this episode, Twitter. The Twitter files, Elon Musk, and the First Amendment. Big week on that, boss. Hey, Sounder, tell me about it. You know, as a recovering journalist, a former broadcaster, I've always held the First Amendment dearly. Is the bulwark foundation of a free society, the right to speak freely, practice your religion freely, and have a free press. Now, the First Amendment is the most important. Second Amendment's there in case the first doesn't work out, right? Uh, you know, Sounder, yeah, that's also what the ballot box is for, though there are some serious questions about that in recent elections. But on the subject of the First Amendment, Elon Musk has been releasing Twitter files that are pretty damning to the Democrats. The files were revealed in a Twitter thread by American journalist Matt Taibbi. A lot of revelations in those files, boss. Yeah, there were, including that Twitter staff openly communicated with powerful third parties. That included members of both political parties, enabling them to flag tweets they didn't like and have them, quoting, handled by Twitter employees. Taibbi went on to say that because there are more liberals within Twitter, about 99%, isn't it? Eh, something like that. Because there are more liberals within Twitter, conservative accounts and comments were squelched more often. Now, this from a platform that began, Taibbi said, as a platform for free speech. Here's some of Taibbi's report, quoting, this is what Taibbi wrote on Twitter. As time progressed, however, the company was slowly forced to add those barriers. Some of the first tools for controlling speech were designed to combat the likes of spam and financial fraudsters. Slowly, over time, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses for these tools. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speech as well. First a little, then more often, then constantly. By 2020, Requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team. The reply would come back, handled. Celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party. Both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. However, this system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts. Because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation, there were more channels, more ways to complain, open to the left. Well, Democrats, than the right. Pretty powerful stuff, boss. Yeah. Um, there may also be evidence in Musk's Twitter files that a Twitter employee, in at least one instance, removed two tweets at the request of someone here in Arizona, in the Arizona Secretary of State's office, regarding, according to the subject of the email, election-related misinformation. 
with a message, quote, I am flagging this Twitter account for your review, unquote. Now, the email was sent to misinformation at cisecurity.org. That's an organization that bills itself as the Center for Internet Security. I've heard about that group, boss. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's been around since about 2000. Nonprofit, works mostly on cybersecurity for local, state, and federal governments. I've gotten $115 in grants from the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Defense, but they've also gotten at least one grant from Pierre Amidar's Democracy Fund. He's the guy who founded eBay. Here, read this. This is interesting. Let's see here. This comes from Influence Watch. Quoting now, Democracy Fund contributes to center-left and left-wing media organizations Groups seeking to infringe on campaign speech rights. That's interesting. Groups seeking to infringe on campaign speech rights, left-of-center voter registration organizations, and nominally non-aligned public policy organizations. Sounds shaky to me, boss. Well, it certainly sounds pretty far left-of-center. And at least in part, it's been funding the Center for Internet Security, which is where the Arizona Secretary of State's office sent its misinformation email about Twitter. Hmm. The Center for Internet Security. That group apparently passed it on to Twitter, which answered, quote, both tweets have been removed, unquote, and, quoting again, we will escalate, unquote. Now, a copy of the alleged email is being passed around on Twitter. Nothing in the email to indicate what the tweets were actually about, Remember, though, the Arizona Secretary of State is Katie Hobbs, who's in charge of the Arizona election, and is also the winner. Now, remember, Arizona Secretary of State is Katie Hobbs, who is also in charge of the Arizona election, and is also the winner against Carrie Lake in Arizona's hotly contested squeaker gubernatorial race. Hobbs' fingerprints aren't actually on the email by name, but it looks like it originated from her office. Hobbs had asked state officials to investigate two Republican officials who were refusing to certify their county's election results. So what do we know here? Okay. We know the Twitter file dump by Elon Musk has, according to reporter Matt Taibbi, confirmed that the Democratic leadership, specifically the DNC, has been in bed with Twitter all along, working with Twitter and telling Twitter how to shape public opinion and squelch tweets opposed to Joe Biden during the 2020 presidential campaign, along with any negative news about Joe Biden. Most notably, it was Twitter that quashed the New York Post stories about the Hunter Biden laptop, including evidence of corruption through massive influence peddling by Hunter Biden, almost assuredly with Joe Biden's knowledge. That had a pretty powerful effect. Well, by suppressing the story, Twitter may have changed the outcome of the election. A media research poll shows fully 15% of U.S. voters would have changed their vote if they'd seen the Hunter Biden laptop story. Now, that would be several times the actual difference in votes between Biden and Trump. So yeah, Trump could have ended up in the White House for a second term. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey may not have been aware of what was happening. His chief legal counsel was apparently ramrodding this through an end run around Dorsey, Some people at Twitter questioned whether suppressing the story met Twitter's own standards for suppressing material that had been hacked. There's no evidence that the story had been hacked at all. The New York Post had the laptop hard drive image, which was ultimately verified as genuine and has been verified by a lot of news organizations since then. 
Now, the majority of Twitter employees went all out to suppress the story and any kind of anti-Biden sentiment on Twitter, going so far as to use special tools developed for eliminating things like child pornography. But in this case, and many, many others, they used it to suppress free speech. Now, Twitter was the public square. Twitter employees and the Democratic National Committee used it to deny Americans of their free speech in the public square by shutting down accounts, deleting materials, shadow banning, and maybe other ways. The question now, though, what's the question now, boss? The question now is, did this continue after the election? Did the Biden administration deputize Twitter to do what it could not legally do itself, censor Americans, deny them their free speech? At least until Elon Musk came along and bought Twitter. Yeah, that may be the reason Twitter really, really, really didn't want to sell Twitter to Musk. Well, certainly appearing that way. The FBI appears to have been involved. A federal judge ordered two FBI agents to be deposed regarding the Hunter Biden laptop story. They were identified as involved in the communications between the FBI and Meta, in other words, Facebook, that led Facebook's suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. One of them headed the FBI San Francisco Cyber Division. Campaign finance records show both agents were contributors to the Democratic Party. During the deposition, one of the agents said the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force and senior cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency officials all had weekly meetings with major social media companies to warn against Russian disinformation attempts ahead of the 2020 election. Now, the Hunter Biden laptop in the New York Post story was originally said to be Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. But it's looking more and more like the disinformation was really just free speech by Americans with ideas that were different than the Democrats' ideas. Twitter blocked the Hunter Biden laptop story, removed or shadow banned lots of other tweets, and either deleted, shut down, or shadow banned accounts that may have opposed Democrats or Democrat ideas. It was censorship by surrogate by the left. I think Elon Musk had a pretty good quote out there. Yeah, he may have said it best, quote, if this isn't a violation of the Constitution's First Amendment, what is? Well, a federal judge has upheld a Texas law that says big tech cannot censor or limit user speech based on their viewpoints. I like what the judge wrote, boss. Yeah, so do I. Quoting, today we reject the idea that corporations have a freewheeling First Amendment right to censor what people say. You know what it sounded like to me, boss? Yeah. Thought control. Thought control. Thought control. Part two of this episode, later this week, you can subscribe for free, and I hope you will, to be automatically notified. But listen, we got to go. For more of these podcasts and our written column, please subscribe to dictatorforaday.substack.com. That's dictatorforaday.substack.com. And tell your friends. Tip. The podcasts are more fun. I am Dennis Dean, and I am not a dictator for a day. Hmm, where'd my field cap and cigar go? Dictator for a Day is sponsored in part by StoryVisionVideo.com. Copyright 2022, Dennis W. Dean. That's me. All rights, but please feel free to spread the word. And thanks for listening.